I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Welcome back to Morning Footy, DFB Pokal. Action today in Germany. Here's a look at today's fixtures. We've got Bayer Leverkusen looking to remain unbeaten on the season as they take on Paderborn. We also have Saarbrücken versus Frankfurt. At 2.45, we've got Hertha Berlin taking on Hamburg. And this is the most intriguing matchup of the day. Stuttgart hosting Borussia Dortmund, 2.45 p.m. Eastern. You can watch all these matches on ESPN+. Plus. All right. This is an intriguing one, guys. Dortmund uh, have been doing well as of late. Both of these teams, to be honest, in in really good form. Stuttgart, would we say overperforming in Bundesliga so far Definitely. this season? I'm more Considering they were almost relegated, more impressed by Stuttgart. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they were literally fighting for their yeah. lives at the end of last season and found a way to to stay in. They won that relegation playoff, and here they are um, sitting in, near the top of the table. So for this uh, Pokal match, let's chat Dortmund first. We'll get into Stuttgart in just a second. But Gio Reyna is uh, a player that has not really been utilized by Eden Terzic. However, he did get a start in the last Pokal match. Do we think that he is in the plans for today? And what would that mean? What does what could he prove in a in a German Cup match, Nico? Mm. <laughs> not I, I'm, 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 I'm not too sure he can win his starting spot in this game. Frankly, I, I don't think that Terzic considers him a starter um, because at the weekend you have a big game and then you try to lock up first place in Champions League in a week's time. Um, so I'm, I'm not convinced it'll be a n- nice opportunity to get some, some minutes, perhaps a start, show the manager that you can make an impact, but he would have to have a, like a lights out performance to really sway Erin Terzic the other way. He's got, he's got his team. He's, he's set on his team, despite Dortmund the Bundesliga being a different team than Dortmund is in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. 
Dortmund in the Champions League has has, has been impressive. I, yeah, I they've been incredible. I, I, I haven't. Ex- I didn't expect that. I think it was very surprising from Dortmund in, in, in the Champions League because what we've seen from Dortmund in the Bundesliga is this very inconsistent team mm-hmm. that they don't convince. They don't necessarily play well through 90 minutes. I mean, look, even though they got a draw against Bayer Leverkusen at the weekend, it was it, it wasn't great for most of the 90 minutes. In fact, I think Bayer Leverkusen deserved to win that game towards the end. Nonetheless, it was a point at Bayerina. Good, good for them, but Gio Reyna has only been making cameos, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think t- today's his day that he's going to sway Edin Terzic the other direction. So Flash Score is reporting that uh, Gio Reyna has a cold, so he might not play. In fact, Terzic said for Gio it could be tight. That's a quote. Mm. Um, Great time to get a cold. Yeah, I mean, part of me is wondering if that's actually a positive if he's brought him up saying he maybe would have started. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it or he would have been a bit more of a part of the team. But I want to get to a point with Gio Reyna where the opportunities he's had to come in in, the, in previous, this, in the last two seasons, he's scoring, not getting, not getting start, starts again. You know, He's showing well in the opportunities when he's playing, not consistently a part of the team sheet, not a consistently a part of the starting squad. I want to get to a point where that, those questions are gone. And I haven't seen that yet. He's going to have to go to another team for it those probably. questions to be gone. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, really, what I've seen out of Dortmund is, you know, to piggyback on what you said, really has been a team effort to win, and it's not always beautiful. We don't know who the star is. We don't know who the main person is. And maybe plugging in Gio Reyna removes that, that unified squad or that unified team, and they can't figure out how to make it work. That's the only thing I can point to, because when he's had moments, he's looked. Is he better than Bino Gittens at the moment? No. No. I, no. No. At the moment, right no. now, no, for Dortmund setup, for Dortmund setup, not who's better. Is he better for no. the team? Is he better than Marco Royce at the moment? No. Better than Julian Brandt at the moment? No. But he's not going to play striker over Fulkrug. That doesn't make sense. He's got to come in. That's such a tough position to be in because to get significant minutes or to start on this team, which you're right, it's like there's a lot of heroes. You never know who's going to come big in the game. You have to come and be impactful. You have to come and score. You have to come in and get the results to then be part of the squad. And he just, like, his stats aren't lining up with needing to be able to get in. Forgot Adeyemi. And yeah. clearly Edin Terzic rates Adeyemi higher than Gio Reyna. Mm. Okay. Well, eat some fufu, Gio Reyna. That's what Adeyemi said. <laughs> dang, dang. <laughs> Okay, that's a frustrating position to be in. Let's uh, transition over to Stuttgart, shall we? They're sitting third in Bundesliga right now, and uh, they have a guy that has been firing on all cylinders this season in Seru Girassi, who has uh, just, he's 19 goals, 16 goals on the season in 11 matches, one assist. He had 11 goals all of last season, and it has just been... uh, an insane, an insane 2023 for this man. The question, I think, for Stuttgart is, can you hang on to this guy? Because there's starting to be those hmm. those whispers around his name, and you hear about the potential move to a bigger club. And, I mean, this man is essential. He's been essential to their success this season. Um, how confident are you, Nico, that he will be wearing a Stuttgart uniform? at the end of the season. Stuttgart needs to do everything they can to, to keep him personally. If I'm, a, I wouldn't buy Girassi, that's buying hot. You're buying when the stock is at its highest. He hasn't. Which is why you should sell him. That's why you should sell him. Yeah, 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 if you're Stuttgart. But 
he hasn't shown throughout any moment of his entire career that he can sustain <laughs> these types of numbers. He's already it's it's no, December. I think he's never put up these types of numbers. And it's, and it's December. It's his highest goal scoring it's season insane. ever. I, I want to give credit to. I, I don't know if he's going to go or if he's not. And if they get a price tag that's decent. You, for do you, a player that to, do you, the club has you, to sell you, him if you, they get you sell it. You and you figure out, but you have offer. to, you know, you're in a good position to make Europe, so you have to figure it out and bring somebody in, unless you have confidence in Denis Undav, who has shown as of the last month or so, ever since Yassi picked up the injury, mm-hmm. Denis Undav has been very good and he's been scoring and he's shown that Stuttgart on the goal scoring front isn't just Yassi and, mm-hmm. and he's been able to. To, to, to prove that. So we'll see what happens. Then. So then can I ask you a question? What does that tell you about Stuttgart? Because what that tells me is maybe it's not the forwards. Maybe it's the style of play. Maybe it's the midfielders. Maybe it's the service coming in that's got both oh. of these players playing well. I mean, look, Undav has half as many goals as, as Garassi. And if you're a Stuttgart fan and you're listening to this, you probably think I'm crazy. But I think now's the perfect time to sell. You're probably going to sell at the highest point you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Clough, famous manager, uh, his uh, assistant, Peter Taylor, wrote a book that kind of detailed Brian Clough's whole system mm. for selling players. And now, just so you know, across like history in football, for, since they've been keeping track of this, um, the amount you pay for a player in transfer fees doesn't always equate to uh, wins. Output. Or, yeah, output. But... The amount that you pay them in wages usually does. Mm. Mm. The only manager that mm. that doesn't fit is Brian Clough. His teams doesn't fit that model. So there was a lot of investigation as to why. But how what, much money was Brian Clough playing, paying for his players? No, but not a lot. But compared to what everyone like else back was, in the day, he was the paying fees even or less. But it was he was paying them more in wages right. and blah blah. Mm. blah. The, the, one of the things that that was brought out is his system for transfers because apparently he was like a transfer god. His system is as soon as you get a a, um, a bid over what you evaluate your own player, you sell, oh. move on, and you should have a replacement. So what I'm revealing is it doesn't seem like that much of a secret. But if you're if you're Stuttgart, the moment you get what do you sell? How much? If you're oh. January. Teams that need a striker, please not Arsenal, are gonna come in and try to buy him. If you get over 50 million, you sell. No one's gonna pay 50 million for. If you US. get over you 50 so? million, you sell. 50. You know what? 50 yes. million Hold dollars. On. Let me finish my sentence. He's still under 30. What? He's 27. 28. 27 or 28. I wouldn't pay a cent over, and just that's just because he's. 27. What was? What, look up on on transfer market. What his market value was before this season? It must have yeah, not it's been higher than skyrocketing. <laughs> it probably hasn't <laughs> been higher than 15. But it's January. The teams that are buying are teams that a little need bit more a desperate. If you get over 50 million, you sell them. If you get between like 40 and 50, as long as it's not a competitor, it's not someone a rival. The sell. moment it goes one cent above 20 million, I'm selling. Oh, 20 million dollars for Stuttgart. Who's a team that could use him right now, though? <laughs> Who's got an injured striker right now that could use? You don't think Ars? You don't think Arsenal? Stop saying Arsenal, please. Don't put it in the universe. Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea. Chelsea would spend the money, too. He went from yeah. 14 million to 40. Wow! If you get 50, 50 is not that far off because it's January. If you get 50 <laughs> million, who, who has 50 million dollars? Well, Chelsea does, clearly. I yeah, to just drop for an unproven striker. He's, he's, he's been good for four months. That's it. But that's so Chelsea. Wait a minute. Our show, <laughs> our show is like, broadcast in America. Todd Bowley is American. There's a chance that he's possibly watching right now. Todd Bowley buying for $50 million. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
I don't disagree. We're going to take a break. Uh, and Bezo Zamani is going to join us on the other side. We are going to chat the final match day in Brazil when we come back. Stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are underway, ladies and gentlemen. Very close to lifting the trophy for the Brasileiro champs. Here comes Atlético with Hook. Hook takes the shot. He is incredible. He is a superhero. Arrascaeta with a cross for Pedro. Total dominance. A nice through ball. Breno Lopes 1v1. Breno Lopes. Now, Palmeiras find themselves ahead. The Alias Marquis Watch. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Final match day in Brazil is upon us. Here's a look at uh, today's fixtures. We have Bahia taking on Atlético Mineiro. We've got Cruzeiro taking on Palmeiras. You can watch that right here on the Galazzo Network. And Sao Paulo will face Flamengo. And you can watch all of these matches at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. All right, for more on this final match day in Brazil, we are absolutely delighted to welcome in our very good friend, Mbizo Zamane, who is looking fresh to death what? today. My goodness, sir. <laughs> Locks out. Let's go. Exactly. Yeah, I had to pull them out this time around. Uh, I think it's been a while. Oh, it looks amazing. Um, okay, let's chat uh, this final match day here. So Palmeiras basically has this all but locked up today. Is there a world that exists in which they don't get it done? Only if we somehow are transported to the twilight zone. Um, <laughs> I, I think... I think for me, it's it, it would take a miracle, honestly, for Flamengo or Gallo to to overcome uh, the Palmeirense. Um, I, I think they've got it in the bag. Uh, Cruzeiro, it's not the toughest uh, team to play uh, these days, so I think uh, I think they can get the job done. For Palmeiras, so uh, you know, what would this mean for for people that that might not be familiar with this club? Can you kind of give us some some context as to to what they mean in Brazil? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, if if England has a big six, then Brazil probably has something closer to a, a big 12. Uh, and certainly Palmeiras is, is among those. They are, uh, I think they, they've won the most titles in Brazil, 11 titles in the Brasileira, uh, followed by, I think, Santos. Uh, so they are a traditional club around here. They were born as uh, Palestra Italia, which was uh, founded to represent the Italian community in Sao Paulo. And I think they played their first game in 1915. Uh, so this is an old club with great traditions. Uh, they were the first Brazilian stadium with uh, um, concrete grandstands. And so they represent uh, really the depth uh, and the tradition that is Brazilian football. And, and of course, uh, being the, the, the most, having won the most times, uh, they certainly would look to uh, extend that. And again, as I said, go to the World Club Cup and try to really demonstrate that they're not just a power in South American football, but they are a world power. 
And I think a lot of that credit goes to Abel Ferreira, their Portuguese coach, having Absolutely. a European come into Brazilian football and winning multiple Copa Libertadores, always competing. That he's, I think he's ready for a big Ooh. next step, uh, Abel Ferreira. Mm -hmm. You know, to, to, to go from Portugal, usually we don't see from Portugal to the Americas to then take a step forward. It's almost like a step back to take a step forward. And he is, I think, over the last three, four years, the best manager in the Americas. Wow. Wow. Um, and Bezo, I want to ask, actually, you mentioned Santos, uh, who are just above the relegation line right now, but that's pretty, pretty bad. This is a crisis moment. Uh, they're one of the clubs that have never been relegated out of the top division. Obviously, a storied history with Pelé, Neymar, and a bunch of other stars. Talk to me a little bit about the situation going on there. Uh, Santos fans are emotional already. Uh, many of them are behaving as if they've already been uh, relegated. They lost uh, their last match, I think, to Atletico Paranaense uh, 3-0. They play Fortaleza at home, and only victory guarantees their safety. If they draw, they need to hope uh, Bahia and Vasco, the other two teams, uh, looking to avoid relegation, uh, stumble as well. Um, so they, they, they're absolutely devastated. Santos fans feel like they are among the most important clubs in world football, having given birth to some of the names you mentioned, uh, in particular Pelé. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to even speak to them about it. I tried to uh, get a sense from, from many of my friends who are Santos fans how they're feeling, and they had difficulty even talking about it. Um, but they do feel that over the last three years that they've struggled. They feel as though uh, perhaps in terms of the football on the pitch, that relegation is, is perhaps fair. Uh, but of course, again, it's emotional and, and it's devastating. And they feel that the Brazilian, Brazilian football will not be the same without them in it. Are you confident that there'll be Fortaleza today in Villa Bermiro? <sighs> Am I confident? No. Uh, would I like to see it happen? Absolutely. Um, the problem is they've been so inconsistent. Uh, and a lot of that is due to the fact that uh, you know, management has looked to, um, to clear some debt and they haven't been able to invest in footballers, to invest in coaches and players as much as they'd like to. Uh, and even the coaches that they have brought in, uh, they've been chopping and changing them frequently. So the instability at the club um, can, can, really, can really hurt them uh, at this moment in time. And I think it's a crux in their history. What about Vasco da Gama? Vasco, Vasco's a pretty big team and, and they have a manager who in March of this year was coaching a team in, in the Club World Cup final um, and they've brought in the likes of Dimitri Payet, they have Gary Medero, Payet's coming in as a sub lately. Uh, it's, if Vasco goes down, uh, in Rio Janeiro there would be a little bit of uproar. I, I think the relegation, o rebaixamento, is not to the standard of, of Vasco da Gama. You're, you're absolutely spot on there. Um, Vasco fans will also consider themselves among that big 12 that I mentioned earlier. Uh, they're absolutely a traditional club, not only in Rio de Janeiro, but also across the country. And uh, yeah, they're, they're another team that has been so uh, inconsistent over the past decade or so. And, and I think for them, uh, unfortunately, herbaixamento, as you correctly uh, referred to it as, um, has become something of a routine. Uh, they go down, they come back. Uh, so I think, I think long term, perhaps they'll be okay, uh, but it's never enjoyable for a team of this magnitude, for a team of this tradition uh, to be relegated. Um, Bizo, I want to get your thoughts on Vitor Roque. And we know he's going to Barcelona in January. Can you talk about how he's going to adjust and fit into that squad and what we should expect from him? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think he's a quality player. Uh, 18 years old with some 99 appearances and 34 goals already. Um, I, I think he's strong, great finisher with both feet. Uh, and, and actually, despite his uh, short stature, he's quite good uh, with, the, with the head. He's quite good at heading the ball. I think I'd compare him to uh, Lotaro Martinez, uh, for those people would like a reference. Um, dribbling, perhaps not his best suit. Um, but he can he can produce a dribble, uh, a good touch here and there to get away from a defender and prepare himself uh, for a finish or a goal. He's certainly a predator and spearhead attack with his back to goal, um, but also can drop from time to time into midfield and, and help with uh, contributing to, to, to uh, the buildup. So I think he's a he's the kind of player that Barcelona will certainly look to build their attack on uh, moving forward. Uh, and certainly a great replacement for, for Lewandowski, who's getting up there in age. Uh, his decision-making, his movement, his anticipation is all very mature for his age. So I think uh, it won't take him long to adjust to uh, football at Barcelona, to adjust to the Spanish league. But I do think that it will take a little bit of time uh, and, and uh, Xavi should uh, treat him well because he is one of our greatest hopes uh, in Brazil. We do feel that we lack some quality in that position for the Seleção. And so uh, a lot of hopes are riding on him. Exciting player for sure. Imbizo, always a pleasure. I hope you are taking that flow out for some drinks or something because it needs to be seen. <laughs> uh, well, it's a tough time right now, actually. I'm coming to the culmination of my, uh, my master's degree. Oh. And so I don't have time to enjoy the Brazilian sun, uh, but I'll, I'll do my best. Do your best. That You need to show the world the, the flow. It's, it's tremendous. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, as always. I'm sure we'll, we'll catch up with you very soon. Thank you for having me, folks. All right, guys, we are going to take another break. Ali's going to be back with some headlines when we return. Stick around. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. Here's a look at your Wednesday footy fix. Some fun matches on tap. We've got the DFB Pokal match between Stuttgart and Dortmund at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on ESPN plus UEFA Europa League. We'll see uh, Villarreal versus Maccabi Haifa 3 p.m. on the Galazzo Network. Manchester United taking on Chelsea at 3.15 p.m. on Peacock. And we've got that Brazil match Cruzeiro versus Palmeiras 7.30 p.m. on the Galazzo Network. Let's send it on over to Ali Trost-Martin for some more headlines. Allie. Thanks, Suze. We're going to start off with some women's soccer news because last night marked the end of an era as legendary striker Christine Sinclair played in her final international match for Canada, a 1-0 friendly win against Australia. Sinclair ends her 24-year international career with 331 caps and an international record of 190 goals. The 40-year-old is set to continue her club career with the Portland Thorns and play for them in 2024. Inter-Miami is finalizing a deal to sign Uruguay forward Luis Suarez to a one-year contract. The agreement will re reunite Suarez with former Barcelona teammates Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, and Jordi Alba, who won four La Liga titles and a Champions League from 2014 to 2020. Luis Suarez scored the game-winning goal in his final game with Gremio last Sunday. 
All right, Nico, another one of the, the friends. We're getting the band back together in, uh, in Miami. What do you make of this move, though, as uh, Luis Suarez getting up there in his career, as is uh, the rest of the crew? There's two perspectives here. There's the Inter-Miami brand signing and sporting signing. From a brand perspective, it's great. You are getting the band back together. It'll be awesome to see Messi, Suarez, Jordi Alba, Busquets all together again. What is this, Expendables 4? <laughs> How many movies did they make? Expendables <laughs> Champions League 2015. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they've said that they wanted to retire together. Look, a one-year deal for a player who has publicly admitted that he needs to get injections in his knee before he plays and he takes mm. pills for the pain who can't play with his son during his rest days because his knees hurt. He has a chronic Does knee injury. Does he know what he's getting into at MLS? I, I hope. Like, has he taken into account this is not an easy league? Right. He can't and play on turf, right? I, yeah. Yeah. I hope he has You're on the sun country. Airline. <laughs> sun country. Well, Brazil's pretty big. There. Yeah. Bra Brazil's pretty big. And he's done travel in, in Brazil. And I would equate the travel in, in the Brasileirão to similarly to what you get in Major League Soccer. I, I hope he, in Grêmio he was scoring a lot of goals, which, which okay. is great. It's a slow, I think it's, there's more quality, but it's a slower paced league at times. Mm -hmm. Also not as defensively physical. Yeah. Or physically demanding on a striker mm -hmm. in Brazil. Hopefully he has some sort of an impact like he did at, at Grêmio, but I think the priority here is to appease Messi and then right after that is the sporting impact. So expectations are where for what Luis Suarez can realistically do with I think, Miami. I, to be honest with you, and I, I hate to say it, but it almost doesn't really matter. Yeah. If he can provide yeah. you... Ten goals? If he can provide you ten goals, if he can, if he can be a part of, say, ten home matches, I think you count this as a win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For for the team, it's about marketing. It's about Messi. It's they about want to win MLS Cup this year, though. But the expectation is MLS Cup. You don't need Suarez does isn't this, the guy that makes does you. this move the needle yeah. at all. Even if Suarez is healthy the whole the whole season, he's not the guy. That's oh, gonna I think if you have highlights of him playing at home with Messi, getting Vibes. goals together, assisting each other, it's it. It's the energy it's around it. It's, it's the image. Make up more than what's behind it. Who, yeah. who was favorite for MLS Cup 2024 before all of this? What is I mean, yeah. Inter Miami, right? Yeah, you have Messi, of one, or one of the favorites, with no disrespect to the other teams. But no, 100%. clearly, the expectation, even before Suarez was. Inter Miami needs to compete one of the best yes. teams for, for MLS Cup. So you add Suarez, he's going to give you what he's able to give you. I think if he has a 10-goal, 5-assist season, 10-goal, 3-assist in that range, uh -huh. for a person whose knees are shot like he's, he himself admits they are, oh. that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Ten, 10 goals for how old is he, 35? I don't know. His, knee, his knees are 70. Yeah. 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 Well, but that makes my knees hurt yeah. <laughs> thinking about it. Literally. Huh. We shall see. Yeah, and also, it's think about all the off-pitch stuff. You know, him also going to Publix. The two of them, you know, <laughs> it's going gonna, to a restaurant. It's going to make Messi right yeah. now. It's going to make Messi even happier. Yeah. And as long as your best player yeah. is elated, it's difficult to, to keep to move. You know how Messi's life 
change from one moment to the next. It if sure you keep did. Them happy. We should do that on this show. Bring my homie Flavio in here. <laughs> <laughs> I miss him, bro. Does he make pizzas? He's got terrible knees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> More pizza. On Get Linda Street just to be on the show at all go. times. There you go. There you go. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we are looking ahead to an intriguing matchup in Lyon between Marseille and Lyon. That's coming up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Well, later today, a Lyon matchup between Marseille and Lyon on tap 3 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on BN Sports. So just a reminder, this match is a replay of the match between the two sides that had to be postponed in October after fans threw rocks and petonk balls and other projectiles at the Lyon bus. Uh, then head coach Fabio Grosso had to get stitches in his head after he was struck by one of those projectiles. Um, he has since been let go but there is a ton of turbulence already around this matchup and I'm just I'm curious to get your guys's take on this and when we see these scenes of what happened the last time these two teams attempted to play what do you think what kind of measures are being put in place to prevent this from happening again I mean are we confident that they will no no I read an article I can't remember where it was from but uh Leon made a statement saying that if they see any supporters for Marseille near the bus or trying to get near the bus, they're going to ban them. But I'm like, how do you actually, how do you even weed people out and figure, like, how do you take those measures to make sure that doesn't happen? I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't feel that safe if I were a player going to this match. It's, it's a frustrating place to be where... The, the, I get the intimidating other fans and the atmosphere and make it uncomfortable for players visiting your home ground, but you shouldn't do that by attacking buses and stuff, and mm -hmm. hopefully that's, that part of the game is gone. And we could play this, this the Shock de Olympics uh, uh, on the pitch, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's, let's see these two teams who need a win, especially if you're Olympic Lyon. You know, you need a win real bad. Let this happen on the pitch as opposed to what's happening. That's just disgusting. Yeah, it's it's a terrible look. And to your point, like both teams need a win. Uh, but for Lyon, this has been it's been a disaster. Terrible. An absolute disaster of a season. They're literally sitting dead last in the Lyon standings right now. A, a minus 13 goal differential on this season. Nico, when you look at this Lyon team, what's gone wrong? Has anything gone right? Everything's gone wrong, and it's more than a disappointing season. This is a disastrous, implosive season where you fire a manager, and now they have a, an interim manager, Saj, who at the weekend, Lyon showed, I guess, a better image, but they still didn't win. And now you're up against a Marseille team that's starting to pick up a little bit of steam, and they themselves need to get into a rhythm and, and and Gattuso, Gennaro Gattuso, who uh, has come in again mid-season, mm -hmm. Marseille also fired their manager, Marcelino. Um, they, they wanted to 
just get back to where they were. And they've already qualified to the next round in, in Europa League, which is great. You know, that's one check off the docket. And that kind of lets them breathe a little bit more. And winning against Lyon for Marseille would be huge to just keep that rhythm going because that, that's what you want, consistency through an entire season and where they sit in the table is not good enough. And then you have Europa League to play for. But for, for Lyon, it's, at this point, it's avoid relegation. If you get relegated, and crazy enough, listen to this, if they, if they get into that playoff spot in Ligue 1 for relegation, which they would play at home. Oh, God. They couldn't play at home. That's right. I read Because this. Groupama Stadium has agreed for a Taylor Swift concert mm-hmm. oh my to gosh, take place. Oh, my gosh, I just place. read this, yeah. That would be, I mean, I'm getting way too far ahead of myself. I, hopefully for Lyon, they don't get to the point where they have to play a relegation so playoff. So they, ha- they, they would not be able to play at their home stadium with everything on the line because Taylor Swift is in town. Correct. The American Swifties, football. The Swifties took over. This is, this is worse than, I, I, let's equate it to Ajax, right? How Ajax was at one point in the season. And we were, remember when we asked, like, where the, where's the panic meter? At one point, Ajax was going to rebound just because the quality of the Eddie DVZ. Ajax is, is far above the rest of the pack. But here, where it's a little bit more competitive, I'm, I'm very worried about Lyon. Mm-hmm. Very worried. Yeah, it is very. They were, at one point, well, before the before the yeah, <laughs> the other way, the other yeah. way yeah. rotator cuff surgery. Yeah, be, before the Juve's, uh, before the Juve championship streak, before the Bayern Munich championship streak, Lyon was the OGs of winning back to back to back, yeah. back to back to back to back to back to back to back seven in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is not a good place where they're at, and I don't know what the answer is when a team is so deep into crisis. And they crisis. fired their manager. Twice. Mm-hmm. This Twice. is the third manager that they're on in this Correct. Term. And Olympic Marseille is uh, not having the best of run either. You mentioned it. Their first win, and I think in nine, they had four draws and four losses. They're starting to get back into a bit more of a settled way. Yeah. Uh, but this is two teams that absolutely need this result. No one more than Lyon, though. Because, you know, we look back before PSG really took off and became, you know, the really the only, the top one. Uh, as opposed to like the big six, the big one in, in uh, Ligon. Lyon was that team. Lyon was the perennial, you know, top of the league, always successful, could always find good talent. Benzema, I'm trying to think of some of the, the big names mm, that came from there. Yeah. Mm. I, that, was, Ju- I, that was after the, the, the win streak. Juninho yeah, was Juninho. part of that win streak. I mean, they were, they were like the, the club. And now potentially going into the second, second division in France is terrible. And I wish Charlie was here because he was – almost relegated. I'm, I'm sure he would be able to answer sort of what that mm-hmm. feels like in France. But uh, tough, really tough for Olympic Lyon. Yeah, it, it's, uh, we'll see. Um, nice I just, city, though. Bougie. Very like nice it. city. It, it like is beautiful. It. I belong there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where's the Taylor Swift concert? Marseille. It's in Marseille. No, 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 no it's in, in Lyon. Lyon. In Groupama Stadium. What a place. Field trip. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring the desk to the Taylor Swift concert. Would, would Lyon be the first team relegated by Taylor Swift? Probably. She is Times Person of the Year. Did you <laughs> really? know that? Is yeah. she? Yeah. Not she was Lyon. just announced as, as Times Person of the Year, and Leo Messi is the athlete of the year. So now we can have... The debate. If you guys are ready to reflip that conversation, I've, I've I'm always had ready it. to have I've, that I've talked to Swifties, I've talked to Messy fans. <laughs> what would happen yeah. to social media if they dated? Lionel Messi. The internet would and probably Taylor break. Swift. Wow. The internet um, would break. I want you to provide a whole a whole breakdown 
I will. We should Tomorrow, do a wall I'm going to give you some homework. We should do a wall battle. Nico takes Messi. Fact or fact. Oh, I'm here for it. Let's go. Um, all right, guys. <laughs> we're going to take a break. Um, what are we chatting next? You wait for Women's Nations League. Oh, that's right. We're going to let Darian mm-hmm. cook. That's coming up after a quick timeout. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Chatting UEFA Women's Nations League uh, yesterday, the final day of the group stage. And here's a look at the semi-finalists. France, Germany, Spain, and the Netherlands all moving on. The winners will qualify for the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Uh, but the big story out of yesterday, England, despite a 6-0 win over Scotland, will not qualify for the Olympics after Netherlands were able to take down Belgium 4-0. Yesterday was nuts, Darian. Can you kind of walk us through what happened and how each team was sort of depending on these results because it was it basically came down to the the final seconds of of both matches and for England just absolute heartbreak. Yeah, complete heartbreak. I mean, you could watch them after the game just watching the results of the Netherlands match, like hoping, hoping they didn't score and Netherlands scored brace in extra time. Yeah, really heartbreaking, but crazy match with England because I think Serena Vegman, we were talking about them not putting away their chances in the previous match and putting them in this uh, detrimental position, came out and scoring so many goals, so many goals, different goal scorers. Again, Lauren Lauren James, uh, freak athlete. Mm -hmm. She is one of the best footballers in the world right now for for women. but it just wasn't enough. I don't know what more they could have done. Power. And it's just so crazy to think that six goals, you six you goals, and six not goals is not enough. Yeah, that's it's wild. Not enough. Especially six nil, six six goals six with nil. a clean sheet, and that's still not enough to get through. And oddly enough, that's six nil against your team in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. It's yourself. And Scotland's it's like not, a self scrimmage. Yeah, Scotland's not a bad team either. Mm-hmm. So I think they came out mm-hmm. Serena Vagman led this team like we need to put away our chances I wish I could have been in like that pregame speech because they all came out guns a blazing putting away goals but yeah not enough the Netherlands I think Go obviously ahead, had that in their mind and what's Nico thinking yeah because right I have a feeling I know what it is from a level of sporting integrity I can't believe this detail slipped under the view of yeah. UEFA that they would have Scotland England knowing that that's Team GB put together plus Wales t- to play in the Olympics. So there were players the on moment. Scotland that could go to the Olympics with yep. Team GB. Correct. Yep. And the reverse fixture was so close. Suddenly, they lose 6-0. Not to take anything away from the English players that are obviously world class. But when you needed to turn such a heavy deficit, it's just there could have been, if I was the Netherlands, had I been eliminated after... England wins 6-0 mm-hmm. when it has been when it was close previously. I, I, they got lucky. There was an, they escaped UEFA escaped mm. unscathed luckily 
because there would have been a lot of. Do you think that would have been a conversation? Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. For sure. Suddenly, like that, it, when when England needed a heavy win. Mm-hmm. UEFA got lucky because so to be a lot clear, of- they were even on points, but because of the goal differential, goal differential. Yep. they needed to score. I think what what, what was the it, the final was that they were just one one goal behind. One goal behind. Yeah, right, goal because behind. they scored in the last second. Yeah. I will say this: I think UEFA maybe you know escaped unscathed regarding that, but I think a loss for UEFA is the growth of women's soccer, especially. Mm-hmm in the United Kingdom has been stellar to watch over the last few seasons, really since 2020, that there's just blossoming of the sport. And for Team GB to not be in the Olympics, something that... That's you know, not a loss for UEFA, though. That's for the Olympic Committee. I think, well, no, UEFA, because England is part of UEFA. Um, I think just overall, I think it would have been it would have been a cool storyline. I think it would have been helpful to women's soccer to see Team GB in the mm-hmm. Olympics. So for, so for that not to happen, not to take away from what you said, I'm not saying you're wrong right. in any way, shape. I'm just saying in this situation, I think it's kind of a loss for the sport that Team GB is I in, think, especially no, with the I stars agree. that are on it. Hundred percent. What does it What does it mean for England to miss out on the Olympics? What does that do? I mean, it, not. It, I think it stalls what was already going to be the growth like the testament to the growth that they've had in um, the UK already. So it's a shame. And all of these players, like we talk about Lauren James every week and all mm-hmm. of these like heavy hitters, Beth Mead now being back in the squad, that we're not going to be able to see the Olympics is a shame. It's a big shame. It's a, they're a powerhouse. You expect mm-hmm. to see them competing in big tournaments like Does the Olympics. the men's Olympic tournament for football have more teams than the women's tournament? That shouldn't be the case. It should be the same amount of teams. I'm just thinking same. because only three spots for Europe, considering that one is already given to France because mm-hmm. they're the host they're nation, is, is feels like too little. It's only 16 teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, feels like soccer. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure what the what the men's is to be honest. Um, but yeah, you're missing a major powerhouse in world football, not having Team GB. Yeah. Yeah. Germany did qualify, however. We had questions about them when we spoke about them yesterday. Uh, it was a nil-nil draw to Wales, but that was good enough to, to get them the result. I mean, for, for Germany, though, who kind of, after an early exit in the World Cup. Yeah, I had them how, winning in the World Cup, too. Yeah. Yeah, I wow. lost early. So how, how important for them? Yeah, no, it, it's very important. I think they need to make up for that really disappointing early exit, as you said, in the World Cup. And they have some heavy hitters, too. And they're, they've been growing the game as well. So I'm excited that they're going to be back in and seeing them compete. Um, wasn't a great game. Nope. I'm more excited to talk about the Spain game. <laughs> that was, what was it? <laughs> a lot score? of goals. That one, 5-3. Five, 5-3. Three. Five, three. Yeah, Spain, 5-3. Spain found their, their feet in that one. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with, like, these second halves lately, but teams are just deciding to, like, really turn on and put balls in the back of the net. But, yeah, Spain came out, and, like, Maria Cabdente was so good in the second half for Spain, and uh, cheeky finishes. They were just kind of back to the Spain that we've known them to be and Mm -hmm. what we expect them to be. Um, Precise passing, getting balls in behind. Um, like cheeky touches, cheeky finishes. So it was good to see them back in their groove because I think we'd been questioning a little bit if teams have mm. had an edge over them from everybody kind of watching them play for so long and having that very distinct style that they've overplayed their hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think the second half proved that they can adapt and overcome 
a deficit that they were in. The men's have 16 teams, the women have 12 Interesting. teams in the tournament. Mm. Good job, Nico. Good change. Good Googling skills. All right, <laughs> we're going to take a break. Um, we are going to be joined by Christian Ramirez from the Columbus crew when we return. You don't want to miss that conversation. Columbus smelled blood in the water. And then you get Christian Ramirez coming up huge, back-to-back, game-winning goals. I think this says a lot about the mentality and the, the camaraderie to take on that new role in that way and embrace it. Now he's in behind. Can he get the cross in? It's off the goalkeeper. It's in. Christian Ramirez with the instant impact off the bench. And the crew lead. Molino back post. Good job. On Saturday, an MLS Cup champion will be crowned as the Columbus Crew face reigning champs LAFC at Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio, 4 p.m. Eastern on Apple TV+. And that man you just saw, Christian Ramirez, has been a massive part of the Crew's success this postseason, scoring two crucial goals that have helped them reach the MLS Cup final. And we are absolutely thrilled because we are welcoming him to Morning Footy right now from his car, Christian Ramirez. Great. <laughs> to see you, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, tell us. Uh, so you're you're in your car, but you're actually at the dealership right now. We we appreciate you making the time for us. Yeah, no, I was picking up my car, um, and then I'm gonna head over to training right now. Very nice. Dedication, dedication. Um, all right, let's chat about these uh, these playoffs because it's it's just been such an incredible performance from you. Um, to crucial, crucial goals that have helped you guys get to this MLS Cup final. What has this playoff experience been like for you? Have you kind of wrapped your head around the, the role that you've been able to play for this team? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, obviously, in the first round uh, against Atlanta, I wasn't as involved as somebody would want to be. Um, but I just continued to almost trick my mind every week that I potentially could start in the weekend. Um, just to, so that I could stay ready. And then my name was called in Orlando. And I'm just glad that these last two times I could provide for the team. Uh, Christian, um, first of all, nice to see you again. Beautiful car, very clean. Uh, <laughs> I want to I ask you about your inspiration uh, coming up into this MLS Cup uh, final. You played for LAFC, um, but you also grew up an LA Galaxy fan. Uh, are you drawing from, like, Maybe you had a bad meal when you were at LAFC in the in the in the locker room, or or maybe as a fan of LA Galaxy growing up. Where are you drawing the inspiration going up against your old squad? Um, just trying to stay in the moment um, and enjoy this week, not not add extra pressure to, to the situation. Um, I think I, I'm pretty busy at home um, with my kids, so uh, yeah, I'm not trying to get too caught up in that. But I think it's only Carlos and Eddie Segura still there from my time at LAFC, so it's not like I'll be seeing so many um, old faces on, on the other lineup. Well, Christian, one, congrats on your newborn. Just had to say that before we move on. But uh, 
being a former player, I know it's not easy. You know, you, you expect to start. You're wondering if your name's in the squad. Coming off of the bench, what's your mentality been like going into these last two matches? Because there's such pressure to be in the right place at the right time in these crucial moments. And you have so much less time to be impactful, especially being a nine. Um, and you've put two goals away. So what is your mindset going into the match uh, late in these games? I'm just trying to analyze how the defense is playing against our front three um, the entire game and spaces that are opening up. Um, against Orlando, I noticed we weren't getting runs in the box. So I told myself and I told my teammates once I got in there, I said, just look for me in the box. I'll, I'll be in there. You guys do your thing in and around the box. And then this last game, I noticed how Cincy um, was following Cucho, Matan, and Diego into the half spaces and weren't letting them turn. So I just tried to get myself as close as possible to one of those two guys at all times so that that defender couldn't release onto them and just try to create more space for them. And uh, I think we started picking up Cucho and Diego in, into those half spaces and driving at the defense. Christian, when you're on the doorstep of glory, is it difficult to not get ahead of yourself or maybe getting ahead of yourself is what motivates you? What's the conversation been like amongst your teammates? What's the message that, that Wilfred has been telling you guys to kind of get the most out of, hey, we're right there from winning an MLS Cup and then also, you know, to not get ahead of yourselves? Yeah, I mean, the first thing he told us uh, at training on Monday was congratulations. Um, you guys are Eastern Conference champions um i want you guys to enjoy this week because in our profession we lose more than we win um there's only two of us left standing right now so just enjoy this week and we prepare like we prepared every week this year um and let's go out there and, and enjoy ourselves because we're at our best when we enjoy ourselves um and add an extra pressure to us christian obviously you know uh, darian brought it up you've been clutch in the moments you've come in obviously you see the glee on your face when you score but just before you score, you're finding all these open spaces. You're, you're, you've become a, even more wily of a, of a center forward. As you get older and as you have these moments, where, where are you drawing this from? Are, are you watching certain players? Who's inspiring you to, and, and maybe you're learning from? Are you watching Giroud clips, who's also doing incredible things as he continues to get older? Where, <laughs> where are you sort of drawing this from? I'm just a student of the game. Um, I think I've been rejuvenated in this system um, coming back into the States uh, this group of guys in this locker room is special um, since day one they've, they've welcomed me in and it's been uh, awesome to be a part of and when you're around a group that appreciates you and you enjoy being around every morning um, and every game and you're able to, to be impactful and just let yourself be yourself very important question for you Christian, because uh, we've seen we've seen some of your arrival fits, and uh, they're they're very much on point. Have you thought about what you are wearing for the final? Like, do you have the outfit picked out? Is that something that you think about ahead of time? Is it pre-planned? I got to know your process. Um, working on it. Uh, my wife, <laughs> my wife's a big uh, part in that, um, and we're actually going this afternoon. Because uh, I didn't really like my my options uh -huh. left there. <laughs> what didn't we What didn't we like? Did it just not feel right? Was it not comfortable? Well, we have to sort of pick something uh, transitioning into winter because yes. of the weather. So uh, didn't really have too much in my uh, in my closet. Wow, Christian, you've been 
non-stop since January. January of this year, you were in Scotland. I, I know the final, you, you're not seeing beyond the final, but are, are you thinking of where you're gonna go vacay with your new <laughs> kid, with your wife? Is there something like, okay, this is my time to rest? Yeah, I mean, essentially I've been going since last June. Um, so wow. we're going on 18 months. Um, and then we essentially can't take the kid anywhere because this is just newborn and my wife can't travel till middle of January. Um, so we're just going to enjoy Columbus in off season. Um, I have to head over to Tampa next week for a B license that I'm doing um, just to put something else on my resume um, nice. for after my playing days. Um, but that'll be my little getaway, I guess, for now. Very cool. Uh, we heard, do you still have on the, the hospital bracelet? Still wearing it? Yeah. There it is. Aww. Look at so that. So is the plan, can you, can you keep that on through MLS Cup? Is that kind of the, the little good luck charm at this point? Yeah, yeah. Um, if it starts to fall off, I'll start to tape it together. That is amazing, oh, that's absolutely amazing. Um, I know, Christian, that, that family is, is hugely important to you and you have a very special relationship uh, with your dad who has, has said that he kind of he lives vicariously through you and, and your experiences as a player and your success. What have your conversations with him been like as you've had this sort of incredible run through the playoffs and now we're about to play in an MLS Cup final? Uh, he's just kept me positive through it all, um, telling me that my moment would come. Uh, and yeah, he's we're living this out together. Um, and he kept telling me before the game, no matter what's going on, um, be ready so that we can get to a final and your mom can come to the final. Um, because my mom didn't make it to, to the Eastern Conference final because she stayed back to help my mom. I mean, my, my wife back home uh, with the little one and and the two girls, so um, yeah, we just kept pushing that narrative that we're gonna make it to the final so Cash could be at his first game and your mom can experience the final with us. Uh, how do you get hype for an MLS Cup final? Like, what do you, what's your mode? Do you listen to certain music? Are you gonna maybe have a conversation with your pops? Are you like, everyone get away from me, don't talk to me? You know, uh, noise cancellation on the, on the AirPods. What does Christian Ramirez do before a big game? Uh, well, I sorted out tickets yesterday so that I wouldn't have to worry about that. Um, the rest of the week. Uh, and I just, I'll go, I'll go upstairs. And if, if I have family over, uh, I'm just going to lock myself in my room, watch TV and do uh, some recovery. Um, and then on game day, we report pretty early, um, normally to every game. Um, Wilford likes us to have a pre-match meal together and, uh, be at the facility, so we'll be there and play some cards, drink some mate with Diego and Cucho and Jimmy, uh, and just be in the zone. If you were here, Christian, I'd be offering you a little bit of mate. I, <laughs> I just learned how to make it, so I'm getting there. Nice. Um, listen, speaking of Latino-ness. Um, Latino-ness. Yeah, Latino-ness. Well, he, he opened the door. If he's going to open the door, I'm going to walk in it, you know? I'm just... I've never heard, never heard that term, Latino-ness. Um, listen, you, you obviously have, you're very proud of, of your Colombian background, and you combined it with a Colombia, Colombia connection on, on and the game-winning goal, very important for, for Columbus with you and, and Cucho. You think this, the fact that you guys get it because you're from, you know, from share a lot of similar things from a similar background, you think that helps sharpen the connection between you two? 
Yeah, I think uh, our relationship off the field um, is is special. Um, he's like my little brother. Uh, we get along so well. Um, we're attached at the hip when whenever we can be. Um, and yeah, I think we've grown close and that builds trust on the field. Um, he trusts me in situations and um, I think I've, I've learned how to try and keep him level-headed because he's so emotional and so passionate. Um, but you want to try and control that and he, he's learned to control that this year and you've seen it in his play, um, the level that he's gone to, especially after uh, after the summer. So these last six months, he's raised his level to MVP-type level. Christian, speaking of Colombia, my fiance, we just got engaged. She's uh, born and raised in Colombia. So you got any words of advice before I officially walk into no. Colombian family? <laughs> also, we're on live TV. <laughs> Good luck, and she's always right. Amazing stuff. Uh, well, Christian, such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Best of luck this weekend, and drive safe, most importantly. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Take care, man. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.